Noon Hydration is a longtime supporter of Another Mother Runner, so we're super stoked they introduced Noon Energy this month. Visit NoonLife.com, that's N-U-U-N-L-I-F-E.com, to receive 20% off your order when you use promo code HYDRATEAMR. You want to live a healthy lifestyle, yet researching wellness can be overwhelming. That's why there's Pharmaca. Pharmaca's experts have done hours of research on every product they sell, so it's easy for you to get healthier without stressing or guessing. Go to Pharmaca.com AMR right now to save 20% off your first order. Knockaround high-quality shades go the extra mile. They're affordable, stylish sunglasses that are perfect for running. Starting at only $20, Knockaround sunglasses are offered with both UV 400 protection and polarized lenses. Visit knockaround.com for high-quality shades, prices cool as they look. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined once again by Liz Waterstraut. Hello, Liz. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I am still chuckling over our bidet conversation the other day. I knew you were going to go there. I gave you a few options and I said, she's going to go down the bidet path, isn't she? Yes. Particularly because, okay, so the backstory is, is that you do some ads for us and you're fantastic at them. Thank you. And so then you, and you are always very thoughtful about being on the lookout for topics and advertisers and spinoffs and everything. So you, you, your mind is always humming for us. And so you sent me a link to a brand that makes, I'm not sure they make bidets themselves, but they make like bidet seat add-ons, right? Yes. Um, Yeah. And then like, kind of the squatty potty type thing. I realize that's a trademark. They don't make that actual one, but, um, and that their imagery is really pretty funny on the website. So I forwarded it to the agency that sells most of our ads. And she's like, okay, well tell us why I should approach them. (laughs) So I sent that, I hit the ball back in your court and you you knocked it out. You sure did <laughs> in more ways than one. So say what, what your one liner to me was. <laughs> well, I know I can't cuss, but I think I said something like, haven't we all gone on a run and pooped in the woods uh-huh. and then come back and walked into our house? You know, the family just, it's trying to get all over you. And you're like, get away from me. Nobody touched me. Don't come within five feet of me. I'm, I'm like a, a hazmat situation <laughs> and I'm just thinking wouldn't a bidet just kind of make the transition back home a little bit better or easier or buy you some time before you have to take a shower I don't know I don't have a bidet this is why I want one and and yes I, think I put this on the Facebook group a few weeks ago my mother-in-law came to my house a few weeks ago and she says to me, she goes, oh, you have got to come over and try our new bidet. And I thought, <laughs> like, you know, it's not often that your mother-in-law reaches out to you like that. <laughs> but it was also so bizarre. I'm like, what do I say? Do I, do you want to come over and try someone's bidet? Isn't that awkward? I'm here to try the bidet. <laughs> Also, because, because you can't really schedule it. You know, you could say, oh, okay, I'll show up at your house at 6.15 a.m. 
I think I will use your bidet, but I can't be sure. But then because also, you know, you can't very well say, oh, I'll show up at 1230 because you could just then sit there. There won't be any. Yeah, it could be a while day, if it's at 1230. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I think it's a product that would really connect with our audience and get some good use. Yeah. Well, so Molly got one of those um, add-ons, those seats. Um, and, uh, I have not tried it because that very reason of when do you schedule your visit to use your friends for day? <laughs> wait, 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 is this Molly, your best running friend? Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, I feel like you could use that and, and it would, it wouldn't be awkward at all. Yeah, there's that. But, but again, do I say, oh, okay, well, we're going to run at seven. So I'll show up at six 45, you know, just, Stop. I mean, God bless you. If you can do that before you run, I, I, I to me, it's, it's not that predictable. <laughs> um, wow. I, I poop pre-run probably 95% of the time. That's, that's incredible. Oh, yeah. thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to leave it there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure everyone's ready for this conversation. See, this could be another spinoff. In addition AMR. to AMR grocery shops. Right. AMR talks dirty. Something like that. Fabulous. Fabulous. Oh my gosh. I have to say that I thought of you last evening when I was shopping at Trader Joe's and I was going to start, um, Andre, he was, I think he was on a break because I saw him, the, the man that, um, I, the Tony Soprano esque guy who, you know, maybe I'll have a crush on, um, I'm debating. And so saw him in the parking lot when I was leaving, but so was going to tell the checker in the bagger like, oh, my you know, co-host and I talked all about Trader Joe's last week. On our and I thought, oh, that is such a long story. And like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were in Trader Joe's the other day too. And oh, they were just taking way too long with the person in front of me. I was getting frustrated. I, I, uh-huh. I get a little bit of like uh, grocery shopping rage, mm. you know? That's funny because standing in line, I thought, can't I just magically blink my eyes and I'll be teleported home and all the groceries will already be inside the house. Yes. Like, I don't want to have to take these to the car and then put the car back. Uh, yeah. Because um, I'm also a forager. I go, I don't get everything I need at one store. So, right. you know, there were a couple things that I needed. So anyway yes yes um so but i i will circling back to one second to the bidet i think it's intriguing that you see it as something you use after the run whereas i definitely covet one from a before the run standpoint so it it could be any time hey sometimes if it's a good day it could be three times a day (laughs) i could i could see the kids so our youngest son insists that one of us is in there with him while he does that and waits for us to clean up the job. And I was trying to sell this with my husband. And I said, listen, I was like, if we get this, then we won't have to be in there anymore for Mason. Like he will be independent and he'll probably even spend more time in there. So, but do you think, I mean, how old is Mason? And do you think he's capable of using a bidet? Oh, absolutely. He can use an iPad and an iPhone. <laughs> I mean, come on, technology and the kids, they would have it figured out before I did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because the few times I've stayed in a hotel that has one, you know, it is kind of confusing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so well, we'll I've see. never stayed in a hotel with one. So, oh, really? <laughs> but you know what? When we come to the Portland retreat, 
you feel free to book Jen Harrison and I, the suite that has the bidet, and, and we will do the market research on this. Whoa, 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 whoa. bidets, and I want you to know I'm married to an English man, so we can talk bidets to the cows come home. Oh, boy, this intro just went completely south. Yeah, yeah. I got nothing, I got nothing but time and bidets. <laughs> and stories. I got I got bidets for days. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to jump in, but you know, I just can't keep quiet. Yes, exactly. So How can one? Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, well, we then I'm just going to launch into it. So this is one of those episodes where Coach Liz is going to morph from being a co-host to a guest because her uh, fabulous dynamic duo partner of Jen Harrison is here and um, they are the coaches for uh, the train like a mother heart rate programs and the triathlon program. They are both very accomplished longtime triathletes. And so brought them on to discuss using an interpreted interpreting GPS and Strava data. Now I got to debate whether I want to say data or data. And um, this was a Facebook suggestion from someone named Janelle. I didn't save a link to it. So that's all I know. <laughs> the only notes I kept. And, you know, it's so much that, that data, I'm going to say it two different ways. It's just much more than just time, distance, and pace. And it, for at least for me, it can be so dang confusing. So, um, as we, you know, like I said, we're the two of you are going to talk about it and we're going to answer questions from Facebook and, you know, just kind of dissect the data and decide what you need and what you don't need and how to understand it all. So we'll dive into that after this break. Stay tuned. Looking to put some pep in your step, either during your workout or your workday? Check out the latest in the Noon family of hydration products, Noon Energy. Like its cousins, Noon Sport, Immunity, Vitamins, and Rest, Noon Energy is a fast-dissolving tablet you drop in water to make a tasty, low-calorie beverage. Noon Energy is packed with invigorating ingredients to supply a sustained boost of, yup, energy. Each 15-calorie tablet boasts 80 milligrams of caffeine derived from organic green tea, 100 milligrams of sodium, compare that to 300 milligrams for Noon Sport, 20 milligrams of ginseng, which has Revuet properties, and well more than 100% of your daily value for vitamins B6 and B12, both of which play a role in energy levels. Noon Energy is available in four yummy flavors, Berry Blast, Tropical Punch, Watermelon Burst, and my favorite, Ginger Lime Zing. Be the first on your block, literally, to try Noon Energy and receive 20% off your Noon order by visiting NoonLife.com and using promo code HYDRATEAMR. That's N-U-U-N- L-I-F-E dot com and code hydrate AMR. That's all one word to save 20%. That code and website one more time, hydrate AMR and noonlife.com. When it comes to wellness, you should be skeptical. From supplements to skincare to clean beauty cosmetics, there are literally thousands of products all claiming to work miracles. Oof. So how do you know it really works? Just ask Pharmaca. For more than two decades, Pharmaca has been at the forefront of natural health and beauty innovation, helping you make healthier choices, even if you don't have a, well, PhD in wellness. Pharmaca's actual team of wellness experts includes naturopathic doctors, herbalists, nutritionists, and estheticians. Pharmaca has an open-minded, research-backed, holistic approach to healthy living. 
That's why Pharmaca is the trusted source for herbal and homeopathic formulas, the highest quality vitamins, and new organic cruelty-free beauty options that'll make your skin feel as good as it looks. Plus, Pharmaca's products are backed by Pharmaca's 100% satisfaction guarantee. I appreciate how well-designed Pharmaca's website is. I love being able to search by condition as well as brands, meaning I can easily peruse options for allergy relief, immune support, and joint support for starters. And because it's springtime, I uh, freshened up my beauty supplies with some products by one of my favorite natural skincare and beauty brands, Dr. Hauschka. Go to pharmaca.com AMR right now to save 20% off your first order. That's Pharmaca's best offer, and it's only good for a limited time. That's pharmaca.com AMR for 20% off. P-H-A-R-M-A-C-A dot com slash AMR. It's the best when something is stylish and functional. So it's no surprise I'm in love with Knockaround, the affordable, attractive sunglasses that are perfect for running. They are now my go-to accessory on my runs, and my eyes are so grateful. Thanks to the polarized lenses, I can feel my eyes, cheeks, jaw, and even shoulders relax as I run, no matter how bright it is. If the brand Knockaround is new to you, let me fill you in. Knockaround pioneered the affordably priced, high-quality sunglasses category in 2005. Now an industry leader, Knockaround is inspired by a melting pot of sports, fashion, music, and the surrounding lifestyle. A few product highlights. Knockarounds have a super lightweight and durable polycarbonate frame. They offer a polarized option to knock out glare. Knockarounds have impact-resistant lenses with FDA-approved full UV400 sun protection. They're available in tons of fun colors to match all your running kits. Knockarounds serve up a great collection of kids' sunglasses, too. And glasses are priced starting at $20. Next week, we have a big, I'm talking big, knockaround reveal. Keep an eye on our newsletter and social media. In the meantime, visit knockaround.com to shop high-quality shades priced as cool as they look. That's K-N-O-C-K-A-R-O-U-N-D.com. All right. Well, welcome, officially welcome to you, Coach Jen. How are you? you, Yeah. How are you doing? I hear that you ran an in-person race recently, Jen. I did. Are we recording or no? Yes. Oh, I just need to know, Sarah, because I need to be make sure that I'm politically correct on a conversation about data. Oh, I need to be put in a timeout and in a corner because I was actually sick to my stomach, stressed about this podcast because I have, I'm very passionate about data and no data, but mm. we, we can get into that later, but I'm going to try to okay. keep this PC. So that's why I needed to ask if this was recorded, but okay. back to the All racing. Right. And, and, and I want to say people might be thinking, oh, I think they meant to cut this out. No, we we're going to keep that in there. So <laughs> yes. Okay. So you running, uh, doing a, a triathlon, was it? I did. I did a triathlon at a half Ironman in Florida uh, a couple mm. weeks ago, not quite actually 10 days ago. Yeah. Wow. So you traveled and race. Look at you. I know. Right. Crazy. And it was, it was actually kind of cute because I traveled with my husband who mm-hmm. we haven't traveled together in so long because one of us always stays back, back with the kids. This mm-hmm. was the first time that we've traveled together. And I was telling one of my girlfriends, one of my childhood high school girlfriends today in on a phone call I, on the way home, from a strength session, I was telling her how nice it was. This is going to sound really cheesy. So hang tight while I say this, um, but how wonderful it was to kind of reconnect with him. You know, we like lived like pe- ships passing in the night for mm-hmm. 18 years with these twins and, and him stressed with work, 
me stressed with, you know, just life and, you know, whatever, whatever we're all busy with busyness of busy. And, um, you know, we never make a lot of time for each other. And, and we went to Florida and his parents lived down there. So he was, that was frankly the incentive for him to go. And, um, (laughs) you know, we just had dinners, we reconnected. I wasn't stressed or nervous about the race. I knew what I was getting myself into with the heat and the humidity down there. Um, Mm -hmm. but we all make choices, (laughs) but anyway, it was just really nice. And Jerome was a saint and helped me with my bike. And just, I, I was the most calm I've ever been. So it was just nice to reconnect. Nice. Nice. And I love that there is a St. Jerome. So I love that you say Jerome, your husband is a saint. Um, (laughs) He was not named after the saint, but yes. Okay. He was not, he was was not flayed on a grill uh, like the true (laughs) St. Jerome. Well, let's, let's not go that far. Whoa, 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 whoa. Saint is aggressive, but yes. Yes. So, and coach Liz, how, how's your training going these days? It's good. Uh It's it's probably the easiest part of my life. So Good. when you, when you're dealing with work and kids and Mm -hmm. household things breaking. So yeah, it's all good. (laughs) And do do you have a race on the horizon? I, I haven't really committed. I mean, I do have races later in the season, Mm -hmm. but I feel like anything in between now and then is still up in the air. Mm -hmm. So I'm just taking it as it comes right now. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, so for starters, so much data and so many places to view it on your watch, on the GPS itself, on, you know, your paired GPS app, on the Garmin Connect, on Strava, on Training Peaks, the list goes on and on. So for the average Jane, you know, what do you suggest? Where do you suggest viewing your, your data? A good question. You know, there's lots of different ways. There's the Garmin GPS, there's Strava, there's Training Peaks. I think that the best advice is to keep things very simple and to have mm-hmm. one output for your data. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're using training peaks, then use training peaks for your data analysis, for your, uh, you know, to look at the data, to analyze the data. If you're working with a coach, that coach can analyze that data. And then the Strava is, is another area that people enjoy downloading all their data and their hikes and their bikes and their runs and everything else. And it's also a little social. So there's some competition on there. If you like that, there's some social aspect of that. If you like that, some people are on multiple um, platforms and there's nothing Mm. wrong with that. It just, I think the important thing is that you can keep perspective of all the data and not let it consume you and not let it, you know, ruin the, the actual running and training itself, which I think kind of, we kind of gets a little bit blurred with athletes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when I had a one-on-one coach, the last time I did, it was back in 2016. Um, when last time I ran Boston and she, you know, Ginsu knifed all the data for me and being able to tell me when I was nudging too close to being overtrained or when I crushed the Hills, even when my overall pace wasn't what I'd hoped. So is it realistic or useful even to dive that deeply into data on our own? Because when she would be telling me stuff that it was to me, it was like, she was reading tea leaves. I didn't understand how she could, she was using training piece because she was a coach. I'm just like, wow. Like, I don't know where you're getting that, but I sure do like what you're telling me. So, um, or am I just a, a moron and other people can do that just <laughs> simply and easily. <laughs> I think it depends on the person. There are some people who really thrive on, on the analysis and, and seeing their progress, you know, and quantifying that. And there's others who get very overwhelmed by that. 
Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if, if you, if you want to dig deeper into it, there's all sorts of great resources out there. Training Peaks, their, their website is just filled with how to analyze data. Um, I do think it's beneficial to have someone who has worked in the field, like your coach did, Sarah, mm-hmm. and they know the trends, they know how to assess them. Um, because I think like any sort of research and data out there, you can misinterpret it. You can, mm-hmm. you know, overread into it. So Mm-hmm. analyze, but always, you know, use caution too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so how ac- accurate is all the life data there is, you know, like when your device tells you how many minutes of REM sleep you got or what your stress levels were for the day, because I put up a call on our Bammer Baster Facebook page and asked them to um, send photos of, you know, different, the screens and all that stuff. Cause I want, it was for images to go with this podcast. And I was like, Whoa, what's that telling them? What's that telling them? And it just, I thought, you know, I just kind of live. I don't, I don't let my watch tell me how I have lived. Um, so. Yeah. You know, I think the thing, the real delicate balance there is with all the sleep stuff and, and the things that tell you, you know, you're recovering well, you aren't recovering well, you're sleeping well, you, this REM's asleep. Studies have shown that it's as effective as 78% in some watches and all the way up to 90% in some other watches. So it looks like some of the data from the research is is pretty accurate on the REM sleep when you're in deep sleep. What it's not as accurate about is how well people or athletes are falling asleep. So I think Mm. what's really important with all those lifestyle uh, data points that athletes are getting is one of the things that's so important and one of the things about data is athletes need to make sure that they're marrying all this data feedback that they're getting from all these watches that are ultimately set on some generic algorithms, set on your VO2, set on your heart rate, et cetera, et cetera, is that they're also marrying this data with how they're feeling. I think one of the mm-hmm. things that is a big challenge for, for me as a coach is athletes that are getting all this data and we're going to get to some of the other stuff like unproductive and detraining. We're going to get to that later, but some mm-hmm. of just, just, you know, people are so passionate and so attached to these the connotations of these words. And I think if athletes just take things for face value and say, your sleep was unproductive or your sleep was productive. I think mentally that causes some challenges, you know, mm-hmm. like if we get something on our watch that says unproductive or something on our watch that says you didn't sleep enough or you only had two hours of, of REM sleep. Well, mentally, we're going to go into the next day. Oh God, I feel so tired. My watch that I only got mm. two hours of deep sleep. So one of the things that's really important as an athlete, when you're looking at this feedback and data is to make sure that it doesn't run your life. Just mm-hmm. use it as one piece of the big puzzle of your training. And I can't emphasize that enough because really if you, if athletes start losing the intuitiveness of their own body and how they're feeling and rely just on this data, it's, it's an ugly, it's an ugly slope down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I jump in for a second yeah. with, with one question? Mm-hmm. And, and I mean it with all due respect, <laughs> do you really think a device knows more about you and your body than you do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, exactly. like, like, do you need something? I mean, we've all had bad nights of sleep. Do you mm-hmm. need something to tell you that you were moving around 28 times and you were up from one to three in the morning <laughs> and, and you had a bad night of sleep, you know, like, is that, and, and is that really useful for you to know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's so much research out there about 
how we perceive our sleep yes. impacts, impacts our energy level. So if you think you had a great night of sleep and, and we parents have all been there, you're like, yeah, I slept four hours. I'm, I'm great. I'm going to rock the day, you know, and somehow you rally and you do it. And I just think that, you know, if we, if we start, if we look at our garment, oh, my garment says I'm being unproductive. Okay. Well, I mean, there is value in pushing through when you're tired, as long as you don't do it day after day, but sometimes the session just needs to get done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's exactly what I was exactly spot on Elizabeth. Um, and that's exactly what I was saying. I said, I, I just don't think, I think it's overkill. I think it's too mm-hmm. much information for the for most athletes. I mean, coaches can look at data and see trends and see fatigue and see recovery without having a watch about sleep. And I can't get past, and maybe this is just me. So feel free to message me when you listen to this podcast and you say, Jen, you're crazy. I don't, I can't get past people sleeping with watches on. Is, oh, is, is that just me? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny because, um, you know, I record a little promo video at the end of each podcast recording. And I was like, oh, for this one, I'll, I'll wear my GPS, you know, down into the basement to record. I'm like, oh, this feels so foreign. I just don't wear, I wear my device when I run and that's it. Like, ah, uh, I've got so much SHIT going on when I go to bed at night with <laughs> the covers and the fans and the, and yes. the noise and the kids curfew is now there is no curfew. I can't even <laughs> imagine like having a watch and it beeping or it going off. Like, so I, 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 this is a serious question. How do people sleep with watches on? I don't, I can't get it. I can't. <laughs> oh my gosh. We'll tie you down and try to make you do it at the retreat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be sharing a room with Elizabeth. So I'm sure she'll know that. I'm not, yeah. if that's, if that's a stipulation, I'm not sharing a room with Jen. If she has to wear a watch, no. No more. And and you guys, when you come to Portland, if you want, you can leave your fan at home and I can just bring one from my house and loan it to you. Uh, How about that? I'm pretty picky about the fan. (laughs) I'll do a little bit. Elizabeth's bag is big enough to pack her fan. Trust me. (laughs) But, you know, because Jack uh, used to be a contractor, so we have some box fans too. So, yeah. Just bring them all. Now we're talking. All right. All right. Okay. So let's dive into some questions from our community on Facebook. And this one comes from Emily. She says, what are your favorite metrics to look at for yourself? Um, And what do you recommend your athletes check and why? Okay. So if I go for a run and I've got my Garmin on during the run, what I keep an eye on is my heart rate and the time elapsed. Mm -hmm. Do not look at my pace. Uh, if I need to look at another number, it's my cadence, because I can tell you based on where my cadence is at, how I'm feeling that day. So those are some of the metrics I take a look at. Uh, of course, if I need to do an interval, I'm Mm -hmm. going to lap it and I'm going to keep an eye on my average lap pace. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's a big one because sometimes people are watching actual pace and remember the, the satellites kind of bump all over the place. And if you're not going in a straight line, it might be a little bit slow, or if you run under tree cover. So if you keep an eye on the average lap pace of what you're doing, whether it's the mile or the interval, then you have a better sense of where your pace is actually at. So if you like to look at pace, mm-hmm. but um, those are the things I'll look at during the run. And then when I come home and I upload my run, I, I use training peaks. I've also used today's plan. So there's a lot of good programs out there, but um. I'm going to look at how is my pacing? Mm -hmm. So was my first mile, the slowest mile, 
and I, and I think this is a, a good lesson for everyone to, you know, work through on their own, making sure that first mile is the slowest mile. Am I getting a little bit faster throughout the run? If I did intervals, were they on target for where they needed to be? Were they consistent or did they get stronger? How was my heart rate trending across the run? Where, where did my heart rate fall during my intervals? So those are the, some of the patterns I'm looking at. I'm not obsessing about how far did I go and what was my average pace? Because mm -hmm. that's not always, you know, progress is not always linear and every single run won't get faster and faster. Mm -hmm. uh, and every run should have a different pace based on what you were supposed to do in that run. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How about you, Coach Jen? Uh, you want to answer the same question? Yeah, I mean, the same exact thing. I have nothing um, really you know, spectacular to add to that. But I do the mm -hmm. same thing. I look at, I don't even look at heart rate, to be honest with you, because mm. I, I have it, I have it and I have the strap. And that's something that's really important that I think needs to be said. And we may even get to that later, but the heart rate is much more accurate with the strap than mm -hmm. the wrist-based watches. Yep. So if you have an option, you always want to go to the strap and um, I know for some women, it's uncomfortable, put body glide, put Vaseline on there, figure out a way, make sure that the heart rate monitor is tight, has to be tight across your chest, underneath your sports bra. Um, so I don't even look at heart rate, but I have it. So I can look at it later. Um, mm -hmm. And I can just tell from how I'm breathing, you know, kind of where my heart rate is, but I'm also looking at um, cadence. Cause just like Elizabeth said, if my cadence falls under, you know, 188 or 190 or 180 or whatever, um, I'm not running well. So I, that's a, an efficiency marker for me. So I'm looking mm -hmm. at that. And I'm also looking at average lap when I'm doing intervals and not cumulative time. So yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you do, you must occasionally check these other things so that you know, like when to turn around or are you always, oh, do you have your five mile loop, your seven mile loop, that sort of thing? Yeah, well, when we do average pace, or average lap pace, then the watch continues on the cumulative time. So mm -hmm. I can also see, I just run with the Garmin 235. It's pretty basic. And so then I'm, I, I know what the cumulative time is. Cause I'll just, when I'm done with the intervals, I'll toggle back. I'll just hit a button and it'll mm -hmm. go back to the cumulative time. So okay. I do keep track of cumulative time, but in general, mm -hmm. I kind of know, like if I have a 50 minute run, I kind of know when 50 minutes is, but I absolutely do look at that for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause I was like, wait a minute, how do you know when to turn around? Yes. Um, <laughs> to head home. <laughs> um, all right. So lots of questions about accuracy. Um, Melinda says, what are the things you should do, not do to make the data more accurate? For example, she's heard that you should never hit pause at an intersection. If you want the data to be accurate, like heart rate and VO2 max and that sort of thing. Yes. Uh, Go ahead, Elizabeth. You talk about this one. This is, I heard you giggle. Yeah, I know you're excited about this one. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, no, I just, it's an interesting. Okay. So accurate. Um, okay. If they mean like the actual data that you're seeing on the device to make sure it's the most accurate, of course, make sure that your device is updated with the most recent firmware. Oh, that's a good call. Every device has a different way of doing that. You know, you might be using Garmin Connect or you know, bike power meters, some of them let you know when they need an update. So it's, it's never a bad idea to make sure that you've got that done. Um, make sure your satellites have been found. You know, sometimes mm. you start out and the satellites haven't been found yet. Mm -hmm. um, 
And, you know, like I was saying before, if you're running under tree cover, if it's a cloudy day, if you're running trails in the woods, even if you're running a, a, a track, you know, the Garmin is designed to measure straight lines because that's where, how the satellites are arranged. So if mm -hmm. you're going in all these twists and turns, the accuracy of the pace that you're seeing might be a little bit off. Mm. But, you know, on the other side of this, if she's talking about, okay, how do I make sure that my data and all of my charts and stuff maybe in training peaks are accurate, you, you have to make sure that your threshold is set properly. Mm. So, and the same goes with your device. Make sure that whatever is in your device, as far as your threshold heart rate, your heart rate zones, your age, your weight, make sure all of that stuff is accurate to who you are now, not who you were 10 years ago and ran your best 5K, <laughs> um, who you are now. And a lot of people will get a device and they'll be like, oh my God, I was in zone four the whole time because they're going off of like the factory settings. Uh, so just mm -hmm. make sure all the numbers are, are for you and they are current to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, hmm. Well, that kind of leads right into Ingrid, who just asked straight up, are those really the calories I burned? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, yes and no. The average, <laughs> the average variance for wrist-based, which is your Garmin, your Fitbit, your Apple, is 25% error. It that's usually big. underestimates your caloric output by 25 Under underestimates under mm -hmm. so so i've burned 25 i've burned a quarter more than what they say that's what the research says. i'm so staggered wow okay yeah and i don't have i don't pay attention to that metric on a personal level um you know you know what i mean because we all know in general and this leads to the other question that that or another thought that i think somebody is probably thinking now why would you burn more calories running than cycling um and i and swimming and all that other stuff. Well, running, running, you're using more of your body. You're expending a lot more energy. So in running is going to be the highest caloric intake or excuse me, output of most of the sports that people that are listening are doing cross country skiing's up there too, but th mm -hmm. there will be variances with that. Um, and it's important to note that, but yeah, they're, 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 some of them are accurate, but the wrist one's about 25% under underestimate. Hmm. Hmm. I think I read somewhere and, and Sarah, you'll have to have your fact checkers check this. I know you have a team of fact checkers. <laughs> Wait, Liz, uh, isn't that your job? Cause now you do the native oh, ads, you, you find I new advertisers. Do, I would love to do fact checking. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I think I read somewhere that it's 100 calories burned for every mile you yes. run. And it doesn't matter if you're running a five minute pace or a 12 minute pace because yes. it's, it's 100. So, and I kind of use that as a rough guide and I think that's, you know, pretty close. So hundred calories for every mile you run. Yep. Or, or, or walk. Right. I think when you cover that yes. mile, right. Yeah. Yep. 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 Cause it takes you longer when you walk it. So, all right. So our pal, Emily has another question about accuracy. How accurate do we consider even quality watch heart rates? Um, Jen, you had alluded to that. And she, uh, Emily says, I had a great run this week and spent the whole time talking with friends saying five to 10 word sentences. And my Garmin said my heart rate was 160 to 180, almost the whole run. She says high orange and red zones when my exertion felt far lower than that. Well, that that's pretty normal. If you're talking, I don't know that I could talk the whole time on a run while staying out of, you know, those heart rate areas too, just because you don't realize it. Like when you're talking, sometimes you're talking a little bit passionately and you're laughing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and 
you know, my heart rate will be like five to 10 beats higher when I run with someone because we're just chit-chatting or you get sort of carried away with mm-hmm. their pace or just mm-hmm. running faster because you're with someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she could have been getting more dehydrated. It could have been warm. So even though the perception of effort was low, you know, which makes sense, which could also be because she's running with a friend and everything feels easier with friends. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's a good, you know, a, a good kind of support there of why to use heart rate because her heart rate was saying, Hey, this was kind of work today. Mm. Not a bad thing, but we just need to respect that it, her body was saying it was a little bit more work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Jen, could you um, elaborate a bit on the whole watch um, heart rate versus chest heart rate? Yes. So, you know, it's just, it's also how accurate I had a conversation with an athlete yesterday who was using the Apple watch and I've gotten to the point now where I just kind of, well, <laughs> I haven't gotten the point. I've always been like this. I just didn't mince my words. I just said, listen, she was in the market to buy stuff. She wanted to buy an Apple watch. And I said, you can buy an Apple watch. There's nothing wrong with it, but let's use it for more basic stuff. If we're going to get accurate heart rate information, I need you to have a heart rate strap. Mm-hmm. And this was an advanced athlete. And I said, listen, you need it. And she's like, well, I don't want to wear the chest strap. And I said, okay, let's go back to, you know, let's go back to your goals, right? We need something to measure this output. She has power on the bike, but she wasn't using heart rate. And I said, I can't, I need both. Mm-hmm. You're, you're an advanced athlete. I need both. So she finally said, well, what do you recommend? And I said, I don't care what device you use, whether it's Sonoto, Garmin, you know, doesn't matter, Polar, doesn't matter but you have to have a chest heart rate strap. It is the most accurate time and time and time again. Um, mm-hmm. The wrist heart rate based watches read a lip or optical, et cetera, et cetera, read very high. Now, when you're, re- when you're comparing apples to apples in the big scheme of life, it's okay, right? You know that heart rate's gonna be high. If you do a test, it's gonna be high, but at the end of the day, chest trumps everything as far as accuracy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have to say that, you know, when I started training by heart rate last February, so February, 2020, I was really reticent going into it. I was like, I'm not going to wear a chest strap. It's going to be such a drag. I'm going to get all sorts of chafing. It's not a big deal. (laughs) It's it's not as onerous as I thought it was going to be. And you you just kind of forget you have it on. And I get chafing where I get chafing, regardless of whether I'm wearing a chest strap or not. So yeah. So, all right. Well, Karen um, touches on a topic that we alluded to a little bit earlier, which is recovery time. And she wants to know how these devices figure recovery time needed. And she says sometimes her Garmin recommends three days on a easy, shorter run. She's like bogus. And then less time after a long run, that's a harder effort. So, so what gives? I think that goes back to making sure that everything in the device is current and accurate for you. So Mm -hmm. it's using an algorithm. Usually it's based on the duration of the workout, your heart rate during the workout and your pace. So the the combination of those factors, something is, is saying to the Garmin, okay, this person needs more recovery. I do find that when everything is set accurately, it's pretty correct as far as Mm -hmm. its estimation. Um, you know, like, like any workout is going to take 24 hours for you to fully recover. So if you see an easy run and it says you need 16 to 24 hours to recover, that's pretty spot on. If you're routinely seeing workouts that require more than 24 hours recovery, mm-hmm. you probably need to look at your 
approach? Like how, how are you training? Are you going truly easy on the easy days and giving your body the recovery it needs after the harder days? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And an important note on that too, just to add on to Elizabeth's thoughts is that I think we forget that these garments and watches come with factory settings in them. Mm-hmm. And the factory settings are just these generic numbers, generic heart rates, generic, et cetera, et cetera. So unless you put in your specific information in there, it's always going to be this generic algorithm. Um, yeah. And it's really important, like Elizabeth said, to make sure you customize all of these devices for you. Do not go off a generic 220 minus your age or anything like that. Make sure you're properly putting in the data that you need to get these data points correct. Particularly because might I venture that I bet uh, the factory settings are for a man. Yes. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, <laughs> You know, because hormones affect all this. So we don't want to put that into the watch at the factory. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> um, all right. So this question touches on um, a topic we've danced around, which is the whole that um, the, the apps or, or the watches themselves kind of judge your workout. So Janelle says, my Koros app judges each run as inefficient, maintaining, or productive, but I'm not sure how it comes to that judgment. Should I even care? And then a lot of people on the Facebook thread griped about Garmin giving similar assessments. And Sandy said, ugh, the messages of unproductive and detraining. It's so discouraging when I'm following the plan. So, so okay. So, so rude, 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 right? Rude, I mean, rude like is my team. As if we need one more place in our life to be judged. Right. right. You, know, you know, for the fact, it only does that to women. Like for men, it's always like, <laughs> way to go, dude. Awesome. Winning. <laughs> exactly. So, and I have to say my Kuros does not do that. Or maybe I've just blocked that setting because I've never seen it do that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so what gives on that? I'll let Jen take this. Oh one. God. I, you know, I don't even know where to start on this thing. Honestly, Elizabeth and I have a whole text thread on this because, <laughs> because if I get another, I love you all. If I get another text about being unproductive and people text me their watches saying that they're unproductive, I may poke my eyeballs out because here's, here's what it is. The watches, it's a little bit more complicated than, than I think athletes really realize because the training load on these watches is based on excess post-exercise consumption or your increased rate of oxygen intake following a run. Okay, let's rewind that. That is so complicated. So their training load is based on this, you know, the oxygen consumption. It's based on the numbers, back to what Elizabeth said earlier, making sure your numbers in there are correct. Your VO2 is, they're estimating your VO2 in there. Um, so there's so much data that's based on that and it doesn't take into, it doesn't take into account, you know, the the biggest variable of your, of everything. And that's your day-to-day life. You know, I can't tell if you had a fight with your partner, then you went out running. It can't tell if you had a bad lunch. And so I think the, the addiction to numbers, the, the addiction to what the watch is telling us creates this anxiety with athletes when really running isn't that complicated. And these watches have made it complicated. And I'm just a little bit passionate about how angry that makes me just a little bit, because Mm -hmm. I think that it's just, it's almost too much. It's too much, too much data. And here's the thing. If you go out 
you know, I'll have people that go out and run and they'll do a training for a marathon. And then they do the marathon. Okay. They race the marathon 26.2 miles. And let's say they PR or they don't PR. They still have a great race. And they're watched the next, then watch says unproductive. Okay. So, I mean, you know, like I back to my point of wanting to poke my balls out. It's based on the training load from previous cycles and previous weeks. So if you're training and you had this seven day cycle and you were doing hills and you were doing intervals and you were doing all this, and then you had a couple of days where you ran easy as you should. Then it just says you're unproductive because it's comparing to what the maximum oh. output was from the previous training load cycle. So people, mm. people don't look at it from a macro perspective. They're looking mm. at it from a micro perspective and the micro perspective will make you want to scream. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. have told everybody, I don't even know if this is accurate because it's not on my watch because I wouldn't throw it in the river if it was. <laughs> I've told everybody to, to just ignore that and, and because nobody, it never says that. It never, the watch never says you are awesome. You are, you are kicking ass. It says you're unproductive. And it just, I just think that's just, and I know, and it was a guy because I did research on this and it was a guy at Garmin who developed this. And I'm like, of course it was, of course it was. Why couldn't it have been some 40 year old female with 17 children saying you're awesome. So I got a little sidetrack. Hang in there. Hang in there. <laughs> Do, do we need a, a trigger warning about misogyny ahead? Hey, in this podcast? I think we need a, a, a thread on Facebook of things you wish your Garmin would tell you. Mm, yes. There you go. There you go. How about, I love you. You know, you can so, do anything on four hours of sleep. Mine would tell me that, oh, you missed that quarter back on 17th and Shaver. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. So, um, uh, this is from Jenny and it's about, um, you, as I said, you, the three of us have talked about it in person as it relates to me when I was on heart rate training for the marathon that wasn't last year. And so Jenny's wondering, she says cadence, how to interpret what cadence means and how to use it to improve or adjust my running. And I want to know me, Sarah wants to know how it's determined because is that satellite really homed in on me and my footsteps? Like how, how is it gauged? It, it should be estimating it based on your arm swing. So oh. your arms go where your legs go. So it's not like your arms are spinning or moving really fast and your feet are going slow. So, and, and this is like, if you, so if you're looking at your watch and it's on your left wrist, well, your cadence is going to slow because that arm has stopped oh. swinging. Oh, or if you're, if you're like grabbing a water bottle or something. So it's not like any of these numbers. It's, it's not something to live and die by, but you can watch the trend. So you can go back after your run and you can see, okay, today my average cadence was 164 and I was running slow, you know, and then look at how does that change on a faster run? So you're just looking at the patterns over time, but as far as you know, her individual cadence and stride rate, um, she would just need to get a baseline. So for her next easy run, just look at where the average cadence was. Okay, let's say it's 160. So we know based on research that anything under 164 increases your risk of injury. So it would serve her well to try to bring that cadence up. 
And we just want to make small changes over time. And there is no optimal cadence, although there's tons of studies out there that have looked at elite marathoners and it shows that they tend to stick around 180 foot strikes mm -hmm. per minute. But, mm -hmm. you know, someone like me, I'm at 190. And, and then someone like my husband might be more like 170. It's just kind of how you're built, mm -hmm. your height and all, all different factors. But she can start to look at increasing that gradually. And when I work with people on increasing their cadence, a great way to do that is to, if you, especially if you run with music, just download a playlist that's at, you know, let's say you want to get your, your stride rate to 170. So download a 170 beat per minute song or playlist mm. and start to sprinkle that into some of your runs. You could even say, okay, if my normal stride rate is 160, I'm going to have a song that's at 160 and then 165 go back to 160 and then 170. And you, mm -hmm. that way you, you, you get some, you get some cues as well. You know, you mm -hmm. get, it's almost like you keep up with the beat of the music or you have a metronome going. Mm. That is um, a very clever, very scientific way to do that. Like, but mast is fun because it's music. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, gosh, I remember when Dimity would run with a metronome and she did it. We were, I forget, we were just in this random hotel and we had to run along basically a, a service road that ran parallel to a highway and all this stuff. So it's the most, you know, unscenic, least pleasant place to run. And there's the tick, 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 tick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, Amanda wants to know what influences VO2 max. She says hers has always been low and it never changes. Yes. So the good old VO2. Well, first of all, let's just start with what VO2 is for, for the listeners. Yes. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. So VO2, the technical term for VO2 is basically the maximum rate at which you can deliver oxygen to your movement, your exercising muscles. Um, and it's a measure of your aerobic fitness at, as those muscles are moving. And so it's how, how well, how efficient you can get oxygen to your muscles. That's the, the technical term, not semi-technical term for VO2. VO2 is usually how awesome your genetics and parents are. <laughs> we are born with a VO2 and some very elite and very lucky athletes have high VO2s. Um, and some normal athletes like all of us on this program and the ones listening have VO2s and how efficient you can work that VO2 or up to that VO2 is, is the magic is where the magic happens. <laughs> when uh, the athlete asks, it's always low, it's always been low. Mm -hmm. I would ask her, how did you, how are you determining what's low and what's high? And mm. VO2 doesn't shift too often, except when you're unfit. So when you're unfit, your VO2 oh. is lower, but as you get more fit, it will, it can increase, but that does max out based on genetics. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that they do the VO2 calculation on the watches, and I have, a, I have to kind of sometimes look this up because I'm always, I get questions like this from athletes and I, sometimes I don't even know the answer. So a few weeks ago or a month ago, I actually looked this up. So it, it's funny that this question came up today. The VO2 <laughs> calculation on the watch is the relationship between your heart rate and pace. And that determines mm -hmm. if you're getting faster or not. So that's how the watches are calculating this VO2. So mm -hmm. again, back to the original points that Elizabeth was referring to earlier, you have to make sure that all your data points, everything's accurate in these watches. And then that's how mm -hmm. they're telling you 
how, you know, here's your VO2 and if it gets higher, your VO2 is not going to get so much higher if you're already fit and you're already efficient out there, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or we wish because that's that the higher VO2 that you have in theory, obviously the better athlete you are, but that has nothing to do with how committed you are, your work plan, the workouts, all this, the magic stuff that happens in order to get like that. But if you tested VO2 of like the Olympic cross-country skiers, they have been proven to have the highest VO2s um, in the world. And so mm -hmm. those athletes are just are born with that. And then they're able, they have the drive and the passion and the talent to, to maximize those VO2s. Yep. Yep. And they, thankfully their parents put them in that direction, set their skis in that direction and off they, off they went. Um, all right. So Jennifer says within the last two weeks, a lactate threshold number came up on my garment. I have no idea how I got it or what it really means, but I would like to know more. Uh, well, goodness, come yeah. on. This is, this is like a physiology. I was going to say that was a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, lactate threshold, oxygen consumption level above which aerobic energy production is supplemented by anaerobic mechanisms during exercise. <laughs> so mm. it's, it's kind of like the point at which, um, if you go above it, you won't be able to sustain it for very long because it becomes anaerobic. If you mm -hmm. stay right below it, like the best marathoners in the world can run right below or mm -hmm. around their lactate threshold. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, there's a few ways that you can measure it. It's usually based off of like a 20 to 30 minute test effort. And we can assume that the average heart rate is your lactate threshold. Mm. So, you know, it's a number that you want to keep moving up and up. So we have a lactate threshold and then we have a max heart rate okay. and really good athletes are, their threshold is pretty close to their max, you know, and that's what makes them good is they can sustain those high efforts, uh, and get close to their max. Um, a less experienced athlete might have a lower lactate threshold, but still a fairly high max. And their challenge would be to keep increasing their capacity to work longer and longer around their threshold. Mm. But if Jennifer doesn't have um, a race on the horizon, maybe, you know, setting a PR isn't of interest to her. Is that one of those numbers that you can kind of just go, yeah, 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 whatever, and not really pay much attention to it? I would, I would pay attention to it because I would mm. use it to set some pace or heart rate guidelines. Mm. So let's say, and, and it would be a really good way to make sure that her training is structured in a way that she's making the best use of her time, mm. you know, versus always going out and running too hard or always going out and running too easy to create any sort of stimulus to improve your fitness. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, a number that you, you kind of want to keep a close eye on. Now, someone like, like Jennifer, who's run for many years, she knows where her threshold is and it's not going to change much anymore. You know, <laughs> sorry, Jen, uh, yeah. sorry, but no, but she knows that she can tell you where it's at. And, and but I, I think for, you know, maybe like a less experienced runner or someone who hasn't followed that approach, it's really valuable, even if you're not training specifically for anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people just don't go out and see how much change they can find on a run. They actually have different goals than that. <laughs> whatever keeps you running Sarah <laughs> um, okay so uh, Nicole who's one of our Bammer Bassers she says I really want to know more about training peaks data fitness score fatigue form and you know as I want to interject this is the type of stuff that I was alluding to that my coach which I I know that woman also coached Nicole for a race could 
glean for me? And first of all, is that only on premium trigger uh, training peaks accounts or is that on free accounts as well? And then what can we learn from it and how to slice and dice it all? Well, I have to be honest with you, we could do a whole podcast just on this. So this is super, (laughs) super high end, super complicated. Let me answer the easy question first. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Premium training peaks. Okay. 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 I thought so. Yes, I thought so. Some of it can get processed on basic, but people need premium in order for training peaks to manage the data and output and spit out stuff. You need to have premium. Okay. Okay. So that's the Mm -hmm. first, that's easy question. (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) it's a little bit too much. There's a a lot of stuff that coaches and some athletes look at when they're looking at training peaks data. And it starts with base, the basic of TSS, which is your training stress score, which is basically your training load, your cumulative TSS, which is fitness and fatigue. And that's me. And that's managed, your fitness is your CTL. So that's your chronic training load that changes slowly over the weeks. Your fatigue changes quickly. That's your day-to-day management. And that's the ATL, the acute training load. Okay. Those make up the TSS. Now, and this is the basics. So Mm -hmm. bear with me. Somebody from Training Peaks is listening. They may, you know, freak out. Your level two certification is contingent upon this, Jen. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So... And then there's other numbers in those. There's IF, which stands for intensity factor, which, which measures how intense the workout is. Swimming has the highest, then cycling, then running. Or yeah. Huh. And then, you know, we, Elizabeth and I do a lot of work with athletes. Let's take the bike, for example, because it's easiest. The intensity factor on the bike, we're trying to assess a certain number to that when they're racing. So it's very complicated. The best advice that I could that I could give you is we can't you're trying to manage TSS and, and an overview and on training peaks. If you have the premium account, you can have the data grids that, that separate and keep track of these numbers mm-hmm. because it gets complicated. Mm-hmm. There's positive numbers, there's negative numbers. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit too much probably for today, but my best advice would be upgrade. If you have training peaks upgrade it to premium, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Training peaks does a wonderful job. They have, an article, they have many articles, but they have one big kind of beginner user-friendly that explains all of this. Oh. Yep, in oh. detail. And a oh. lot more detailed, obviously, than what I give um, in here because it's all relative, obviously, each each is relative to the athlete. So um, Elizabeth's TSS from last week will be different from my TSS, of course, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. it's important that if you are a numbers person and you're data-driven, that this, this stuff can help you. And it is very worthwhile and something Elizabeth and I do, do look at for our athletes, but it needs to be kind of self-driven if you don't have a coach on the other end of it. And training peaks has all of it in their little uh, help section that can kind of walk you through this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, someone had asked about this, maybe during an ask the coach and they were new to the training peaks and they were like, well, what does this all mean? And I think a good thing to point out is it doesn't mean anything until you have at least six weeks of data. Mm. So you need six weeks of data behind you and you have to religiously upload your data. So mm-hmm. you, you can't miss a beat there. And mm-hmm. all of your settings and training peaks, your threshold, your pace needs to be accurate. 
you know, because the, uh, even training peaks has like factory default settings. So if you're going off of those, you better be able to run a 10 minute mile. I think that's what they set it at. Yes. But, uh, but six, six weeks of data to really make sense of the, the trends over time. And that's an excellent point because, um, when athletes ask me about this and I say to them, I can't provide you any constructive feedback because you only download two or three of your run workouts a week or the triathletes, like someone like me, I do not wear Garmin in the pool. It would never happen come hell or high water. So for me, my TSS will never really be accurate because I'm not downloading my swims. So that's cumulative fitness, right? So back to Elizabeth's point, every single workout has to be downloaded. And I just had a conversation the other day with another athlete who keeps downloading all of her walk workouts. Well, mm. well, this happens with many, many athletes. They're walking the dog, they're walking whoever they're walking, babies and all that other stuff. Mowing the lawn. Mowing the lawn. Mowing the lawn. <laughs> having sex that's a whole nother conversation that I actually had to have a conversation with an athlete please don't do that again um wait wait they like press true start story. they like but like what run. setting did they put it on you know like run vert- run because I was run. Like, and they pre- <laughs> I'm and, serious and, okay Elizabeth I think I texted you that this was this was like a year ago and I'm like listen it was a guy. I said, listen. Oh, I do. Oh, I was just about to ask what you said. It was a guy. It was a guy. Thinking he's up at threshold. <laughs> and I, all I said to him, I had no idea what it was, of course, right? Why would I know what that is? All I said to him was, what, what were you doing? Like, this is, all this is, is, I mean, without getting too graphic, I'm like, you can only imagine what I said. I said, what is this? And then he was like, oh, I wanted to see how many calories I burned. And I'm like, listen, Stop. Stop. listen, I can't this is above my pay grade. So if you want me to look at this, I need to charge you more money because this is aggressive. And short. I'm kidding. I didn't say that. (laughs) You're like, what am I to do with this three minutes and 20 seconds worth of data? Exactly. Oh, that is so many levels but but in more in, a, in the, name, the name of the workout is three pump and dump i can't believe i shared that well yes i can back to the walks back to the seriousness of the walks back to the mowing the lawn back to mowing the lawn and the walks if you put that data into training peaks and you're looking at your tss and your ctl and your atl and all that other stuff it impacts these numbers. So I said to ha- I had to say to one of my athletes, a serious conversation, please stop. You know, you can walk, you can walk 12 hours a day. I don't really care, but please let's, <laughs> it's not downloaded into training peaks. If you want, if that athlete is interested in the cumulative data. But uh, on a serious note, coach Jen, why do you not record your swims? Darling, you gotta, need a whole new podcast. You for don't that. have enough time for that. Okay. The psychology of Jen Harrison. Okay. Okay. I have to say that the other day I, so, so I have a Coros and, you know, it has different, you know, you can, I, it must be like a lot of GPSs. You can say what activity is you're doing. And about 20 minutes into my swim, I, I suddenly was like, oh, shoot, I have it on run. And so I just stopped and was like, whatever, um, you know, rather than putting it on pool so much. So there's, you know, it can't get through the roof of the pool place, you know, like I, I just can't believe any of that. Kind of like the treadmill, right? Yeah. The treadmill yeah. and Garmin. Listen up, yeah. my friends, the treadmill's right. <laughs> the treadmill, not the GPS. Yeah. <laughs> the Garmin is a GPS and you are inside, period. Uh-huh. So anyway, yeah. back to my swimming, because mm-hmm. don't get me excited mm-hmm. about swimming. 
So <laughs> I'm there goes her heart rate. Uh -huh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm super passionate. Elizabeth knows this. Super passionate about swimming. I am not the best swimmer, but I do okay. And I grew up swimming. So for me to put on a watch in the pool and to jerk around with numbers and buttons and looking at my pace for, trust me, I know exactly what I'm swimming. I work off the clock. Like, you know, I just grew up swimming. So for me, the Garmin, you know, I'm not 30, right? Uh -huh. So the Garmin uh -huh. to me has ruined, in my opinion, has ruined swimmers in the sport of triathlon. Not mm. the advanced swimmers, but the more beginners where instead of focusing, because swimming is so technically based, so form focused, instead of all these athletes focusing on form, focusing on the workout, they're obsessed about every, every 50 that they swim. If I swim mm. like that and paid attention to every 50 I swam or every, every, every single cycle or something, I would suck the joy out of it for me. Mm -hmm. And it, so that is the, the real reason. And show me one really, really good high-end swimmer with a garment on. Mm. I mean, really go to the mm -hmm. pool and you see these people. When I say good swimmer, I mean one, under 115 for 100. You see mm -hmm. any 115 under 100 swimmers with garments on. Yeah, it just doesn't really happen. Mm. So that's why. And, and then, listen, that's personal. That's not Coach Jen answering that question. That's, uh, mm -hmm. that's Athlete Jen answering that question. Mm -hmm. So I don't okay. want people to be like, oh, she doesn't look at Garmin data. No, I get Garmin data in the swim and that's fine. And it's, mm -hmm. and I will caveat this whole thing by saying it's an amazing tool in the open water. So in the open yeah. water, I'm a Garmin fan because it shows stroke rate. It shows how straight you're swimming. It shows a lot of wonderful things. That's just me in the pool. That's Elizabeth knows how strongly I feel about that. That's just athlete me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just this bulky thing. You know, it's this bulky thing sitting on your left wrist. It, it interferes with your feel of the water. And then you're always touching buttons and you're looking and you, you're just not paying attention. Like Jen said, swimming is so much about feel and your, your relationship with the water that if mm -hmm. you're just touching a button, every time you hit the wall, mm -hmm. it's getting in the way of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so finally we have to ask any tips on how to learn to use your GPS more effectively, you know, so for iPhones, like back in the day when you could actually sit next to someone, you know, I'd learned a lot of the tricks and hacks by just sitting next to my friend and being like, wait, how'd you do that? And so, you know, for a GPS, should I be watching YouTube videos? You know, should at our next retreat, should I, you know, go sit next to a bunch of people who wear Koros like me and be like, oh, how'd you do that? Um, what do you suggest? You know, most of these brands nowadays, they have a great website with all sorts of technical information and videos and articles and start there. Just start mm -hmm. there. Do a quick Google search, how to program my Koros, how to upload a workout into Garmin from Training Peaks and mm -hmm. start there. Mm -hmm. And then if, if you're still stuck, of course, come on over to, to uh, any of the uh, programs and, and do ask the coach with Jen and I, and, mm -hmm. and we'll help you through it. Um, but if you're still stuck on your own, don't be afraid to call their customer service number, mm. you know, and, and ask them to help you through it. That's their job. Um, or if you have a friend who does it too, that can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have had somebody, one of our BAM ambassadors at a retreat, she has a chorus and she tried to, she, she, she was the one actually who um, clued me into how important it is to do the updates. So um, I, I learned a few tricks, <laughs> not many, but um, well, ladies, thank you so much for chatting about all this. I, I love having the two of you on the podcast. So 
Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us and, and letting me um, get excited about data and no data options. <laughs> All right. And you're just going to have to sit through this brand mention in which I'm going to talk about the new hats in our mother runner store, just debuted them, including my new favorite running hat. It's graphite gray with this really cool melange of blue and orange and pink on one front panel. And then the same color gradient lighten up the big word go on the other front panel. I love that it has a pink underbill. So it gives a nice little pink flush to my face. Um, and it also just kind of brightens my day. Um, we also have this gorgeous bubblegum pink running trucker hat. We have a navy blue, purple, and pink visor. They're all just fabulous looking. And customers definitely agree. This week we had a woman order eight hats at one time. Uh, I assume there some might be for her friends. She might be giving them away to some moms for Mother's Day, um, but but that's fine. She can also buy eight just for herself because you know maybe she likes to wash them after every use. I don't know. So to find all those, you go to motherrunnerstore.com. But not for long because we are combining all our sites under the Mother Runner umbrella, the motherrunner.com umbrella in a few weeks. So. Um, that mother runner store URL will only be good for a while until it just, you know, redirects you. So, uh, and then if you are in our store, check out our two retreats as they're filling up fast. We only have a handful of spots left for both Portland this October and Hilton Head Island next February. And, you know, I hear that there might be some extra fans to use at the Portland one in October. So (laughs) our podcast today was produced here in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Mm